Well, for a few minutes this evening, we're going to turn our attention to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, as we reflect upon the meaning of this season and the celebration of a Savior, this birth announcement that even the children were reminded of as we gather together here tonight. I especially want to thank you for coming. It seems like we're slowly moving back towards whatever normalcy might remain in the future. And it's important as we gather together tonight to to be reminded of things that we're most familiar with. Too often in this season, we try and come up with new and creative ways to say things and to do things. The truth of the matter is the message of the gospel has been clear from the beginning, and it's best to stick to that message. The Gospel of John in particular, the evangelist, is speaking to a multitude of people, beginning with the Jewish nation, then of course to the Gentiles. And he's introducing them and laying out a case in this gospel that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's an apologetic of some sort where he is plodding through this book of John to reveal that this Jesus was not a mere child and an infant, but this Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah the King of kings and the Lord of lords. During this Christmas season, we've taken the time to celebrate that very thing. We began the first Sunday in December celebrating Christ, reflecting upon the person of Christ and His work, and John will speak to that clearly in this text. The next week in December, we celebrated the Good Shepherd that we have a Savior who keeps us and sustains us in the worst and most difficult times, a Savior who has promised to His own that no matter what might happen, no one can pluck us out of the Savior's hand. Last week in our family Christmas celebration, we talked about parents providing for their children the gift of perspective, having their children to truly understand the meaning of the season. In spite of all of the extra things that take place during this Christmas season, and they're important things, their family traditions are significant for all of us, but the most important thing is to maintain a perspective on the true nature of the celebration. Once we get our perspective correct, our priorities begin to change a little bit. And particularly at this time in which we commemorate the birth of a Savior, it seems to, to help us be centered in in some sense, to understand in the midst of a difficult year that the things that matter most, and it creates in us a passion that sustains us with perseverance. And I pray it leads, as we said last week, to all of us who know the Savior, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. When we come to the text this evening in John chapter 1, I'll read all 14 verses to you, and then we'll go back and reflect upon some of its meanings. You will find in the text in John chapter 1, there is significant doctrine and theology. There are so many things that we could just spend weeks discussing and talking about. And yet at the same time, the presentation of John's gospel is simple not in a simpleton kind of way, but it is clear and it's concise. And the very arrival of the Savior is spoken of in its clearest terms. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, we read, in the beginning 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about that light, that all might believe through Him. He was not that light, but He came to bear witness about the light. And the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, bless us as we dive into this passage of Scripture tonight. Bless us as we speak of it again on Sunday morning as we gather yet again. And help us to glimpse whatever it is needful and necessary in each life represented here tonight. Perhaps in its simplicity, I pray that none would be confused at the reason that we gather here tonight. I pray for those mature in the faith that they might see and understand some of the deep complexities of this passage of Scripture. Yet for all of us, I pray again that this yields us to celebrating Christ in this season of Christmas and brings us to the place of great appreciation, deep personal worship. And as your people gather together on this night, a special time of singing, reflecting, and celebrating the birth of a Savior. Bless us. In these few moments tonight, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we go back into the beginning of this text in John chapter 1, beginning in the first verse. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the beginning of the beginning is really what John is saying. And he's presenting to us this deep theological truth that this child in the manger is the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, but he didn't happen upon the scene He wasn't an afterthought of God. In fact, the Bible speaks very clearly in John chapter 1 that this child was indeed God in the flesh, a God who has a timeless eternity, a God that he says in verse 2, in verse 3, has made everything in this world. And as we reflect upon the truth of this creating God and this word Word, and we'll spend more time on Sunday dealing with this. John is gathering all of the peoples at that particular time who would hear this message and speaking to them in terms that they truly understood. The Greeks had a concept of the word, the logos. The Jews had a concept of what this word or logos was. 
And John would unmistakably in this text declare exactly who this logos or word was. This word was God. And everything that you would know and everything that you can see and everything that we can experience in this world was created by this word. Not anything made that was made was outside of His his creative power and authority. In verse 4, John says, in Him was life. Not just mere physical existence, it's broader than that. Everything that you know about life, everything that you see in creation was rooted and grounded in this Word, this Son of the living God, and that life was the light of man. As John begins in this text to give this apologetic or defense of the person and work of Jesus Christ, he speaks of them in clear terms as light and reminds us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Clearly in John's gospel as he presents to us this Jesus, this child in the manger, He's reminding us that He is God in the flesh. He is the eternal being, the second person of the Trinity. He has created all things, and nothing exists apart or without Him. And when He speaks of life, indeed, He is speaking of all of creation and everything that we know that pertains to life, but He is speaking perhaps in even deeper tones and will throughout the context of His gospel of the spiritual life that Christ has come to bring as the light of men. And he reminds us that this light came into the world at a particular time of darkness. When you begin to compare the language of John chapter 1, your mind immediately goes back to Genesis chapter 1. And as you read the account of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and reiterated in chapter 2, you come to chapter 3 in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve sinned against a holy and righteous God, and sin enters into the world. At that particular point in time in history, everything changed, and darkness seemed to dominate and control the world. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 speaks of this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil and the demonic influence in the particular age in which Jesus came. Not much has changed. This is still a world of darkness, and there's still a demonic evil that perpetrates everything that we know about life under the sun. But there is a precious promise in this text as well, where John makes it very clear that the darkness has not overcome it. It cannot overpower it. It cannot overtake it. The light wins, and Jesus is the light of man. Perhaps it reminds you of what you often hear here at First Baptist Church in Johnson City. A better day is coming. Everything's going to be okay. There's darkness. There's evil. There's rejection. There are powerful demonic forces, and yet none of that can overcome this glorious light that came into the world. Nothing can overcome that glorious light, and the reality is Jesus is that light, and that light wins. In verse 6, he introduces us to John the Baptist. And in his text, he writes, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, not 
John the Baptist believed through Christ this light. For John was not the light, but he came to bear witness about that light. It was the shepherds who were the first to bear witness of that light. As the glow of that mountain experience of shepherds is so pronounced and clearly articulated in Luke chapter 2. But from that day forward, in even Genesis 3 forward, the Scriptures have spoken about the coming of the light and the promise of God and the need to bear witness of that light. And as we bear witness of that light, we are bearing witness to the authority of the light, the commission of the light, and we are championing and heralding that life only comes through that light. This is so important. If you're new to the ministry, perhaps you've come to just worship with us on Christmas Eve. The world pursues some kind of happiness, some kind of common ground, something somewhere that can sustain them in the most difficult times and days of life. Perhaps that describes your life tonight. But there's really only one that brings the fullness of light. There's really only one that speaks into the darkness and brings hope, even in the most hopeless of situations. That is Christ Himself, that true light. John makes it very clear that there is a significant difference between darkness and light. He will expound upon that in the next couple of verses and clearly separates men into two distinct divisions, those who live in darkness and those who live in light. Jesus Himself says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John says in verse 9, the true light, the only light, the one and only light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. This enlightenment was for all people. The Bible says that even in creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the introduction of Jesus, the very Creator of the heavens and the earth, as a resounding call to all of creation that the light has come. God has kept His promise. Messiah is with us. And even in this world that He had made when He came in as the light of this world, the world did not know Him. They did not recognize Him. They did not adhere to Him. They did not believe in Him, although their very essence and everything that they knew to be true was directly tied to this Savior and this light of the worlds. I believe when the Scriptures teach us that Jesus came to His own, His own people, they did not receive Him. It's it's beyond just the nation of Israel. It is for all people. He entered into the very thing that He created, the cosmos as we know it. He wasn't recognized for who He was in spite of the glorious revelation of God, and the world, unfortunately, did not receive Him. Genesis chapter 3, truly, this world and all people by very nature are children of darkness. 
They live in this dark world permeated and dominated by sin. Every human being is born into this state of hostility and this separation from the Creator. Every person, including those in this particular chapter that John is addressing, are born in ignorance. He will say later on that we are born of Christ, not of the will of the flesh or the will of the man, but, but of Christ and Christ alone. The truth of the matter is, John makes it very clear that everyone is born in sin. Everyone is ruled by their passions, and everyone walks in darkness until the light of light shines in their life. There can be no mistaking what John's saying in this text. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's succinctly how Paul states it in the book of Romans. There's a soberness when we stop to think about this particular text in a world that does not know Him, in a world that is in need of us proclaiming, bearing the truth of who He is and why He came, in a world that is separated of people in darkness and people in light, John 3 says it clearly, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, let his works should be exposed." So here's God in the flesh who steps into a very dark time in history, reveals Himself as the light of men, the Creator of the world, the Savior of the world, and it seems to be simply another day, and nobody seems to understand or care who He is. A number of years ago, Casting Crowns put out a song called A Little Town of Bethlehem. And the words seem to encapsulate in different language what John is trying to communicate. It looks like another silent night above your deep and dreamless sleep. A giant star lights up the sky while you're laying in the dark. There shines an everlasting light for the King of kings has left His throne and is sleeping in a manger tonight. Oh, Bethlehem, what have you missed? Oh, you are sleeping. We live in a world that is sleeping, and they don't recognize that light. And there's a weightiness to John's gospel, and yet there's an absolute blessing as well. For he says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, to all who recognized him as light, to all who saw him as the fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament, as the coming of a Savior, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become the children of God. You didn't earn that right. You didn't will that right. The light of the world gave you the right to be called the children of God. I suppose that that's why we gather on a night like this in a very dark world. There's something that we see and something that's been revealed to us and something that we know that is drastically different than the darkness that exists in the world. And this stark reality causes us to come out of that darkness and to gather in a place like this, on a night like this, to worship, to attribute worth to the only begotten Son of the Father, the Savior of the world, God 
in the flesh. And our salvation is not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, and it is secured by Christ alone. John says in verse 14, and the Word, the Creator of everything, the Word, the, the light of the world, the Word, the Savior of all mankind, the Word, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Son of the living God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It does not mean that He put aside His glory. It does not mean He ceased to be God. It means that He took on an earthly tabernacle, if you would. He took on flesh and blood, and we have seen the glory the glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh. That is, indeed, the essence of the celebration of Christmas. I don't know about you, when I stop to consider and reflect upon these truths, it becomes a little overwhelming that this child in the manger was the light of the world and filled with the majesty of God. It's hard to put those two things together. The depictions of the baby with a halo seems to be contrary to the message of the text. Indeed, He is the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, full of the glory of God, and yet, in fullness, a little child in the manger come into the world in all of its darkness. It just leads me to the conclusion that Christmas, although being a remembrance of the birth of a Savior and all of its simplicity is weighty and profound and at times incomprehensible. But that's exactly why John wrote. He closes this apologetic treatise, this presentation of Jesus as the Savior of the world the verses in John chapter 20. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. Do you believe? The question is not, do you believe in Christmas? The question is not if you believe in some biblical text. The question is, do you know Him? Are you a child of that light? Has that light shone in your life? Have you acknowledged that you were living in darkness, but God had sent His only begotten Son to rescue you from all mankind? Today, tonight, as we gather in this place, we are celebrating the light. We know Him. Collectively, we know Him. Collectively, we gather to remember this glorious message, and collectively, we worship the light of the world. Sing that familiar Christmas refrain, Noel. Probably familiar with that word. Simply means the birth. Christmas can't get any more simple than that. The birth and the presence of God, the light of the world. It is my prayer that you know Him. It is my prayer that you have a blessed Christmas celebration. It is my prayer that if you don't know Him, you come to know Him, for in Him is life. 
He is the Savior of the world. Father, thank You for this brief time to reflect upon the truth of Your Word. Remind us in our singing. Remind us in the Word. And remind us in the quiet times over this evening and tomorrow that we live in a dark world, but the light is shining. May we bear witness to that light. May we worship and celebrate in that light, and may that light receive all of the praise and the honor and the glory from us, for in Him is the fullness of the glory of God. Teach us to worship. In this season of Christmas, we pray. Amen.